about time for true crime what's going on what up what up how y'all doing hope you guys are doing well this is the first time in like two weeks that we're actually sitting down to record so even though it hasn't been two weeks for you guys because we pre-recorded a bunch we haven't actually been able to sit together and do this for a little bit because somebody went on an amazing trip oh it's so true i went to alaska you guys i had a great time it was so good um i did talk about it a little bit earlier this week but i uh, i don't know it was so good we went on a little tour of like some glaciers and some fjords around alaska and um we saw three orcas two times which was super cool and they're like a little family marie is the matriarch and patty is the auntie and then there was this um boy name that i won't actually probably say correctly called like owen or Ooh. something like that it was so cute it's not owen no owen maybe i don't know Uwin? it was very close to owen but it was not owen there was okay. an ooh. ooh. it was weird ooh. but he was so cute and they're apparently a pretty rare pod to see um, and I learned a lot about Arcus. That was cool. It's very cool. And um, I think that was like my roommate's deathbed wish was to see an Orca. So she should be set now. Oh, she can like check that off her bucket list. Yes. Um, which is just so exciting. So it was it was really cool. There was a lot that we did. But it was so beautiful. Oh, every picture you took was basically a postcard in and of itself. I know. And it was so, oh my gosh, it was annoying. So the drive was beautiful. But I'm from the Midwest, right? So I'm used to like straight, flat driving. And we were in and around, up and down mountains on the coast, right next to like a large body of water as like the Gulf and all of that kind of comes in to make the fjords. And I was just like white knuckling the whole time. But it oh was my goodness. so pretty. And we had to go through like a national forest to get there. And I haven't been in a national forest before. I've been to like national parks and conservation areas, mm-hmm. but like not a forest. And it was so cool. That is so cool. It was very funky. Um, but I love it. And I'd like to go back. I don't know. I like the cold. Ugh. I, I like to be warm, but I think the cold is easier to warm up than it is to cool off when you're too hot in the summer. Yeah. So I, I, I like prefer the, it. I like the beginning of winter, like the very, like maybe the first snow. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. But I really like leading up into that when it's like the 60s and it's just nice, or at least here in New England. I don't know. I don't yeah. know where y'all are listening. but Yeah. Hey, what's the weather like by you? Let us know. Right now, it's rainy and cloudy here. So yeah. Rainy and cloudy. That's all we got. Say lovey. But it was so fun. Thank you for asking. And yes. yeah. Um, adjusting back to work has been a time and a half because obviously, uh, we are a four hour time difference from Alaska. So getting there at 8am today was like getting there at 4am and that made me want to die a little bit. That's disgusting. Yeah, it was pretty bad. (laughs) It happens though. That was worth it. I'm so glad you had so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for, um, you know, covering my butt at work as, as we do for each other always. And you guys, our boss knew I was gone in Alaska. She wasn't like covering for me, but she just did all my work for me while I was gone. That's so nice. That is what we do. It's true. You covered my ass when I was in Florida a little bit. Oh, so. yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> all right. I want to jump into this because I have like 10 pages of notes on this. Yowza. So this one is 
a doozy. Okay. Is it anything like the uh, JBR evidence doozy or is it? Oh my God, that. I know we already talked about it in the suspect episode, but that was awful. Most recent or what was it? The last um, week's last week's episode with the second half of the evidence was so somber and just sad that I needed a moment to like sit by myself afterwards. I'm like, wow, that was terrible. So it's not going to be that bad, right? No, this okay, is, well, <laughs> no, Okay. but this one, I was just feeling very spoopy. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a little story here, but I just wanted something very new England love. And so that, that, that is what, that's what we're doing today. Well, I'm so glad you're kicking off spoopy season because obviously you guys know this. The one I'm going to do after John Bonet is going to be spooky too. So we are headed right into spooky season. We are just flooring it. I'm so excited. All the spoops. Okay. So tell me about it. I don't know anything. So yes, you guys clicked on this. You know the case. But as always, Abby does not. Yep. And you were not living in New England at the time. So I'm sure that you didn't hear of this when this happened. Oh, okay. But it was one that us New Englanders know very well. Or at least I think we do. Most of us do. All right. Okay. Okay. So because we live here now and because we record our podcast here, the New England ones like always just touch a little bit closer to home, obviously. Yeah. Like when you did that main bed and breakfast one. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. It's like right there. Oh my God. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) you know what i mean and so it just yeah. it just adds that extra context like oh i know those streets or i know that town or i know someone that lives in that area there's just that extra layer of it and the thing about new england too is that it's so small no matter where you live like almost anywhere is within like a two-hour drive so yeah i mean you can you can weekend anywhere in new england if you live in new england yeah going from mass to connecticut is like not that bad yeah going from <laughs> Where I live now to various points in Maine, it can be shorter than going from where I am now to like Vermont, mm-hmm. which is wild. Yeah, it's just just how it is. So we try to cover a variety of different kinds of cases on this podcast. We go all over the country, all over the world. And when we get ones that are closer to home, they just sort of stick this case was specially requested by somebody very close to me. Was it me? It was not you. Oh, damn. It was Erin. Hi, Erin. And she requested that we do this case very early on. And I wanted to be a little bit more in my groove first before I tackled it. Cause, and this was one that when we were sort of roundtabling our ideas for the podcast, I called dibs on immediately and Abby had no <laughs> idea what the case I was. I was like, okay. So it, <laughs> it worked out. But... um. She recalls this case very well and asked us to cover it. And so ask and you shall receive. Woohoo! Thanks for requesting, Erin. So love you. And if you're listening, this one is for you. And this is a little nose boot. Boop. Oh, that was a little nose boot from Abby. Yep, you're welcome. You know how it goes. (laughs) So today we're going to cover the murder of Kimberly Cates. So she was murdered in a horrific home invasion where the attackers used a machete and knives. Mm. So the attackers gained entry into the home. They attacked 42-year-old Kimberly and her 10-year-old daughter, Jamie. 10-year-old daughter? 10-year-old. They ransacked the home. They tried to dispose of any evidence that could link them to the scene, and then they sold what they got. Oh, so nice. Yes. 
So not only is the murder a brutal series of events, but to me what followed also was because they just disregarded what they did. It was so brutal and so random and like this blitz attack on this home. Yeah. And afterwards it was like, it, it was like a normal day and it just, it, it's shocking and evil. And I think because it takes place in like this very small and quaint New Hampshire town, like it, it gained national attention because we all know a place like that. Right. And it's like, what are you going to do? Like go on TV and be like, Hey, this happened in New Hampshire. People will be like, where? Like, yeah. And Mont Vernon, New Hampshire is not really like a place anyone knows of. Hell no. Um, and so you had to tell me where it was. and I live like in New England. Yeah. And this was a case that happened like not far. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of different reasons why this case was so big. So this wasn't just a local case that stayed just pretty local. This was, this gained national, even global attention because of how young the offenders are. Okay. How random the attack is and how brutal the scene was. That is where we are headed today. So I first want to talk about Mont Vernon because that is the town that this case is taking place in. And in the year 2010, uh, Mont Vernon had a population of 2,409 people. Okay. That's a small town. That's 2,000 people. That is... Yeah, that's smaller than my high school. And... Um, the year that this case happened in was in 2009, so going based off the census in 2010, it's pretty, that's about how many people there were. Right. It's only 17 square miles, and it's described as mostly rural with, like, agricultural influences. Okay. So, in my mind, just think flea markets, farmer's markets, like, single-family homes. There's not, like, these big apartment complexes. Right. And each home... Like, it's not like the houses are right on top Spread of each out. other. Yeah, yeah, like, they've got they've got a piece of land, um, very few streetlights. Like, think, yeah. think that way. Country. Yes. So, for our New England listeners, um, I like to give the location based on, like, where it is in relation to Concord. Because a lot of, you know, if you live in New Hampshire, you know where Concord is. Um, so that's the capital city. So Mont Vernon is, uh, 45 minutes south of Concord and it's just a little bit west of Nashua. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then for the non-New England listeners, because this is always how we have to put things <laughs> into relation, we got to relate it to Boston, right? Because no one else, <laughs> right? they hear New England and you just, yeah, I'm like two hours north of Boston, uh, yeah. two hours south of Boston. Yeah. That's just, it's just how that works. So, um, it is about an hour and a half northwest of Boston. Okay. It's really just like yeah. southern western New Hampshire. But just so you know. You could also use a map. You could. You could do that. Well, I had to use my, my trusted Google Maps. And you had a great word description of where this town is. Thank you. Yes. I'd like you to be my Siri. Oh I'd be my like, gosh. hey, where is Mount Vernon? And you'd be like, um, it's just like northwest of Boston. It's just like like an hour and a half. Like if you do, if you go that direction for, for an like hour a and while. a half. Yeah, just for a little bit. And if you stop to pee, like add 15, you know how it yeah. is. And uh, just keep going. You'll get there. You do you, girl. You do you, boo-boo. 
<laughs> so, all right, I want to talk about the attackers, and I'm going to try to go pretty chronologically with this. That's how I try to, like, tell the stories, at least, mm-hmm. like, things like this, because there's so much information about there. A lot of it's repetitive. Some of it's contradictory. It's really difficult to sort it out and try to make it make sense and make it sound coherent. Right. So, I really pieced around a bunch of random stuff here so really the overview is home invasion gone terribly wrong and we're gonna get there but i kind of want to back up a little bit okay sounds good so we're gonna talk about the ringleader of this little group of young men okay so the first one is steven spader that name might sound familiar it might not um so i just called him the depraved piece of shit number one. Ooh, cute and then we'll get to depraved piece of shit number two in a bit so steven spader was an only child like jamie who was the 10 year old mm-hmm. in this case and like me i'm an only child 10 year old no he's not 10 oh like the t- oh got it like jamie gotta, who's gotta, 10 gotta, 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 yeah mm-hmm so Stephen's biological mother was using drugs when she was pregnant, and when Stephen was born, he was tested for drugs at birth and was positive for weed and cocaine. Oh, yep, God. as an infant. So he was adopted by the Spaders uh, when he was only five days old, mm. and then a couple years later, his biological mom, still using drugs, had another kid, and she was like, "Hey, do you want this one too?" And they were like, considering taking that kid, and then that kid's dad took them anyway okay so they didn't end up with another one but she just kept apparently just having kids <sighs> so steven grew up in a loving loving home good again i don't know if his adopted parents struggled to have kids maybe they didn't want them or whatever but he was their only one okay and he was in boy scouts he Aww. Well, he was a normal kid growing up. There was there were no indications of what was to come. And then he ended up transferring high schools. And when he started his new one, he posed as this gangster type. And that's what he told people. Bragging about murdering people. Bragging about hurting people. And that he was really... He was just this cool guy. And he was very emo and punk. And, and this was high school, you said? Yeah. And you just wouldn't get it. You're not like me. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that yeah. kind of... It's not a phase... Yeah. It's not a phase, mom. So he started to smoke more weed and then started using pills and experimenting with other drugs. There wasn't really a whole lot about like if he was an avid drug user to the point where like he was really struggling with substance use. Right. The impression I got was that he was purely just experimenting and did not mind how it felt. Yeah. So he ended up dropping out of high school and later earned his GED. He Good. he liked sports, but he was bad at them, so he did not stick with them. And his parents just kind of figured out something was off about him. He, the older he got, the less he listened. The less he listened, the more he like acted out. Right. And it got him into trouble. And they spent thousands of dollars on psychologists and psychiatrists and special schooling and camps and programs and all of these kinds of things to try to encourage some positive change a new routine, 
spark some motivation in him to change his ways to listen anything they could do they took out like a loan against their house like they set themselves oh back gosh. financially significantly and all of these extra things to try to get him connected with the best of the best and right. it did nothing to change what was going to happen and i uh will say there are certain things that parents do that really frustrate me that i'm like okay well of course this is going to happen with your kid like why wouldn't we expect that to happen for instance he is drug curious and he was born with a mother who's struggling with addiction clearly i don't know any mother who wouldn't stop using drugs during pregnancy if they could you know and we're in like a healthy frame of mind and lifestyle and so that frustrates me because it obviously has a biological impact on your child. Absolutely. But in the exact same breath, once that child is grown enough to make their own choices, like it is so nice and relieving to hear that his adopted parents did everything they could to foster like a positive pro-social tendencies and like healthy communication with him and actions but I also don't think that they should be held responsible if they didn't do those things either because I think a lot of times people assume parents are responsible for their kids actions and I think that's true until a certain point yeah and it, I don't know I just I know you weren't saying this as a defense I know you're saying it as an explanation but I hope they've never had to defend themselves that way that would suck yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people have said a lot of things. And, and I think when you have violent youth anyway, yeah, the idea is always, okay, what was going on at home? Yeah. And a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times you point to neglect, significant abuse, yeah. no home, um, too many kids around, too many mouths to feed, parents' attention is scattered. In this case, they were so fully focused on him right meeting with the school with the guidance counselors getting him an iep getting him special programming special education anything that they thought he could benefit from sports they tried except he didn't like them right extracurriculars anything to just get him involved to make him just a little less mean yeah (laughs) is pretty much what it was oh and again you know what we're going to talk about happened is horrific so these things they should have they just didn't help no and i don't know it just makes me sad this isn't the first nature versus nurture debate at all but there is certainly some nature even though there is also certainly a lot of nurture yeah it's just it's that's one of the reasons that this case gained so much attention he was obsessed with like dark things and evil things and not in the way that you and I are not in the way that anyone that's listening to this likely is and that you know we're interested in it and we're fascinated by it but that fascination can change to like a desire to want to do those things and that's what happened with him he took Mm -hmm. it like a completely other way and he decided that he wanted to do something about that. So he liked to collect knives and he liked sharp things and he liked the idea of causing harm to people and other like blood and... Well, exactly. And a fascination with how that can happen is one thing. It's different when it becomes like a goal or a mm-hmm. daydream or like you fantasize about it. He wanted to cause harm. He wanted to hurt people. He wanted to inflict pain. That's just the way that he was. And there wasn't really anything that anybody was going to do about that. And he made that really clear, too. And he wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone. 
because Ooh. because he wondered what the the high would feel like what that thrill would be what that adrenaline rush would be like bro jump out a plane or something like that will also give you adrenaline no blood though not if you do it right or wrong well, i guess you know but he also wanted to be famous for it it wasn't that he just wanted to like do it in his basement he wanted to be notorious okay so he started a club <laughs> he did he did okay. do that not the extracurriculars the family was leaning toward but he did he started a club damn it well wow, what an engaged um, active member of the student body yes so it was called the dod any guesses dead i'm kidding um dead on demand death on demand that's not that would be better honestly Uh, this is the disciples of destruction ew hey dead uh, on demand's kind of cool trademark it's thursday i've got my uh disciples disciples of destruction meeting meeting. and then i have a chess match but after that you want to go out (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like kid you should have stayed in school that is the dumbest fucking name (laughs) Uh, if nothing else just for like naming your clubs guy widen your vocabulary yeah so i think he thought it was edgy and cool but you know it wasn't so he was the leader of this club and he had decided that as part of the club initiation members would have to commit murder like a rite of passage this is how you get into this okay so at this time steven spader is only 17 years old okay 17 one seven just just my god squirrel that away there for you okay so then the main players here i just want to give you guys sort of like a brief overview of the other people involved in this steven spader head douchebag asshole in charge 17 and lived in brookline new hampshire okay then there is depraved piece of shit number two nice that's Christopher Gribble. He was 19 years old at the time, and he lived also in Brookline. Then we have William Marks, who was 18 years old. He lived in Amherst, New Hampshire. And lastly, we have Qu- Quinn Glover, who was 17 years old, who also lived in Amherst, New Hampshire. Okay. So these are the four that committed this crime. None of the four lived in Mont Vernon, but they didn't live far either. All of it was less than 20 minutes away. Okay. So, what they did know about the place was that it was quiet. The houses were spaced out pretty far. Mm -hmm. There was limited traffic, limited streetlights, and really not not a whole lot of people to notice if something were to happen. So, from what I can put together, it seems that Steven Spader was the one who wanted to kill people. He was like, this is what I want to do. Okay. Christopher Gribble did not mind the idea. I don't think that he was the mastermind behind it. But he wasn't running away either. No, he was game, but I don't think he thought of it. Fair. Okay. He wanted to kill someone too, but I, he wasn't. I don't think he was going to do that unless he had Steven like kind of driving the bus on it got it and they shared their interests with each other because they were like holy shit i want to know what that feels like so then william marks and quinn glover had already been breaking into homes and stealing valuables and then selling them right so if they figured like steven and christopher were just gonna like break into a house and do whatever like 
they'll come with because they'll they'll grab some some shit to like pawn and make money too okay that makes sense so for quinn and william that's what their goal was was to break in and get stuff for christopher and for steven it was they're gonna steal shit too obviously but they want to kill somebody i have like two thoughts running through my head Mm -hmm. the first is can you imagine the day before being like mom can we go get a ski mask my club is going to break into a house tomorrow and she'd be like it's eight o'clock i'm not going to cvs at eight o'clock but i need it for a class for my presentation tomorrow god damn it get your shoes you've (laughs) known for what three months let's go (laughs) um the other thing that is going through my head right now is how wild the car drive over must have been oh no we'll get there oh god and mostly the car ride back Ooh. okay all right keep going so the four of them started gathering materials. Isn't that mm-hmm. what you have to do? Was that like a chemistry thing? Was it the first step is step one, <laughs> gather your materials. Yes. That's what they did. So they got their weapons and started working on their plan. So they got various knives. There was a machete. There's like a sword looking thing. And they started comparing notes. Okay, who has what? Let me go to this like flea market. Let's grab that knife and go to this store. Let's grab that wild yeah got all their shit together like camping so they knew they wanted to break into a random home they didn't want it to be someone that they knew or anything like that they wanted to search for valuables take it and then if anyone was inside at the time they'd kill them if not no harm no foul right so these four of them were in the dod or wanted to be steven ran this so like they had to prove themselves yeah, but also, did he run it? Because he hadn't killed anyone yet, so he couldn't technically be a member. Well, he's going to change that. Oh, fuck. But it's, okay. they had bylaws. They had officers of the club. What? They were all listed in it. Yeah. Hey, on my resume, I was in the e-board of <laughs> Disciples e- of Destruction. Yes. I was responsible for handling all club funds. Even though death on demand sounds a lot better. Yeah, I was the treasurer of the... Yeah. DOD, does that? I got to take the notes at the meetings. Do you order? And then I sent the meeting. I sent the meeting minutes to everybody afterwards. So don't even. <laughs> I did it, and they were accurate. Damn it, they were. Anyway, so on the afternoon of Saturday, October third, two thousand nine, mm-hmm. October Mean Girls Day. Damn ah. it. Yeah. On October third, he asked me what day it was. He said, "It's October third. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, which is coming up here. Just saying. The boys attended a local game and then decided that that was the night that they were going to commit their first murder. So they got into one of their cars and began driving around. So they are just at this point like joyriding through Mont Vernon. They kind of knew that was the town they wanted to search in. Um, And then just like went up and down some streets looked at are you fucking kidding me yeah looked looked in the windows like kind of saw okay are the lights on in there how many people would be in there blah blah blah. So they come to a house that looked good to them, um, but they were like, this looks a little bit too big. It was multiple stories right? and a little bit more out in the open. It didn't have a lot of like brush cover on the sides and everything. And they're like, that's too risky. So we'll go to the one next door. Okay. Because that one was set back a little bit more. It was at the end and right. no, no one would see anything if have they were driving the by. Have the neighbors, have the eyes. Yeah. So... The house that they chose was smaller and more secluded. So this was the Kate's house. Ugh. So I want to talk about 
Kimberly Cates. Kimberly was born March 6, 1967 in Toledo, Ohio. I believe at some point during her childhood, her parents moved back to Arizona because that's where they were originally from. Okay. And then later, Kim enrolled in and then graduated from Pima Community College uh, with a nursing degree. Hmm. So this school was in Tucson, Arizona, and then she worked at Tucson Medical Center for some time. She met a man named David Cates. They fell in love and she married him in 1997. And then a year later, Kim gave birth to their beautiful daughter, who she named Jamie. They mm-hmm. moved to Baltimore, Maryland for a little bit, but then in 2004 decided that they wanted to settle and plant their roots in a small New Hampshire town. And they did. And that's how they wound up in Mont Vernon. That's so cute. So the town seemed to them a great place to raise their daughter. Once they moved there, Kim worked at a couple of the local hospitals in the area. So I want to name some of them in case anybody knows them. St. Joseph's Hospital in Nashua. uh, Catholic Medical Center in Manchester. Nice. And then Milford Medical Center in Milford. And then Dave worked in engineering and he traveled a lot for work. So he was, it wasn't uncommon for him to like be on business trips. So let's jump back to October 3rd, okay. 2009. David Cates was away from home on a business trip. Oh my God. Yep. He was in Baltimore. What and an awful way I know. to come back home. Oh, I know. And Kimberly and Jamie were home alone. Jamie would have been 10. I don't, I don't think she was quite 11 yet. So, yeah, baby. And it was reported that she was sleeping in the room next to her mother. I couldn't tell. No one really says, like, if it was just, like, two beds in the room or something, or she's just, like, lounging around or something, or if they were, like, sleeping in the same bed. But they were in the same room, and they were in the master bedroom. Okay. Which was Kim's Kim and David's room. Right. So, what I'm going to read from a little bit is an article by the Nashua Telegraph and it discusses testimony that Quinn Glover gave about the night of the attack. So we're not talking about court yet, but I'm going to kind of set the scene a little bit for like how they got there. Okay. So it says, quote, Glover said they tried a number of locked doors before Gribble, who's Christopher Gribble, broke a basement window and lowered William Marks inside. Christopher Gribble then cut through plastic panels beside an air conditioner and, with Quinn Glover's help, moved it enough to allow Stephen Spader to wriggle himself through and into the house. And then Spader let in the others. Okay. So he squeezes into something, goes up, probably goes and unlocks the door, and everyone comes in that way. <sighs> so then the they turned off the electricity in the house, which is fucking terrifying. Yeah. And then, so the article continues... Glover said he took his shoes off when he first went in the house out of habit because that's what he always did at home. Okay. That just, that just, sh- I don't know. That, that line just did something to me. It's like out of habit, you're a kid. Like your mom would be mad if you didn't take your shoes off. So you sure as shit took your shoes off when you came in. Yeah. But you're breaking into this woman's house, this woman's home. Home that feels enough like your home that you're going to take off your shoes. And participate in one of the most horrific things i've ever heard of so that that just comparing the two like yeah he's a kid okay and on the flip of that what he did while being a kid is so takes his shoes off they check the rooms 
and they didn't even plan ahead because they killed the electricity and then they didn't have light they didn't like bring flashlights literally boys they're boys the only thing that they were focused on was like making sure they had their knives and what they were going to use to hurt them with but didn't at all consider like the logistics of what their fucking plan was it's ridiculous so they went into jamie's room and grabbed an ipod and used that as a flashlight and they moved forward throughout the house and they got to the master bedroom and Stephen and Christopher were in the lead. So all the articles refer to them as their last names, obviously. Right. And I'm trying to like change them as I'm reading from the articles okay. to their first name. So it's easier for everybody. So um, it says Spader and Gribble. So Stephen and Christopher um, walked ahead and Stephen had been carrying a knife and he put the knife in his pocket and he took out his machete. Okay. So in the early morning hours of October 4th, So again, this is, you know, Saturday night into early Sunday morning. Kim wakes up to a weird noise and she's heard saying, Jamie, is that you? Okay. So, you know, it's unclear if she was up and out of bed by this point. Right. Kind of concerned or if she was still in the bedroom. But the attack happens in the bedroom. So as soon as she's heard saying, Jamie, is that you? Like, you know, what was that noise that I heard? intruders are in the master bedroom that's all that to her it's just that's terrifying people she does not know and they don't they don't say a word steven spader repeatedly strikes kim with his machete repeatedly and focuses mostly on her upper body like her face and neck particularly weird but also her like torso and everything but it didn't mean that her arms and legs were safe i mean he just literally slashed went berserk and kim called to jamie telling her to run so she's getting literally might make me cry i don't know mothers i know no this this like really we're gonna talk about it so before kim can even understand what's going on she's being attacked with a machete her concern is trying to tell her daughter to run and she's trying to keep herself between them and her daughter. Are you fucking kidding? So Kim is trying to protect Jamie, keeping her sort of behind her Mm -hmm. while she's getting the brunt of the attack. And yeah, uh, I can see you like tearing up. It's like not good. This is, I know It's it's so sad. It's so horrible. And I, want to tell you it gets better and i can't lie to you okay so keep going don't lie so she's trying to shield her with her body kim gets struck with such force in her head that her skull was cracked open (sighs) and brain matter was exposed oh my god when one of her eyeballs was dislodged like protruding out from her eye socket holy shit she was hacked over 30 times with the machete So now Jamie is either awake by her mom asking her if that's her or she's awakened by the sound of her mom being killed. Yes. Being murdered. Yeah. And Jamie tried to stop them from hurting her mom. No. So their attention turns to her. Fuck. So Christopher Gribble was holding the knife and he starts stabbing Jamie. Oh my gosh. And he goes for like the heart. So he ends up stabbing both sides of her heart he punctures one of her lungs 
He stabs her in her face, in her neck. She has this long gash, like down, like her cheek down to her, toward her throat. She was slashed in the hip with such force that like her abdominal cavity was almost open. And at this time, Steven Spader is focusing on Kim, but he's also attacking Jamie too. So he's, Steven has the machete. He's hitting them both. Christopher Gribble is mostly attacking Jamie. Right. And she was hit so hard in the face that it broke her jaw. A 10 year old. She's 10. And part of her left foot was hacked off. Christopher Gribble then picks her up and throws her against a wall. She slides down the the wall and she lies there motionless. And so Kim is still trying to protect her and distract them. And I'm just I like your face and how I'm yeah. feeling. It's all I know you guys can't see it. The bravery and strength in a mother's love. And and also the daughter. Yeah. I don't know. My mom says run. I'm maybe I'm well trained. I'm probably running. I mean, not that like I wouldn't, you know, if I was in this yeah. situation, also hopefully do the same thing. I, I don't know. But like when you're a kid and you hear that, you know, the tone, the tone that's like now, like you're going to oh go God. do this now. My dad didn't even have to say a word. There was a look. Yep. And like that, the eyes and yeah. it's like they're big, but they're squinting at you like that. Like you better do it like right now. Yeah. This isn't a question I'm telling you. That look as an adult now i'm getting married and i get that look oh my god <laughs> yep. i were to get that look yes. now like what do i need to do what was that <laughs> i'm so sorry i didn't mean it what did i do and because david traveled so much yeah jamie and kimberly were so close right you'd have and to be i've said it before in these episodes i'll say it again i'm very very fortunate i'm very close with my family i just can't imagine i can't i can't even put myself there and I don't know the physical pain of that, the emotional pain, the anger, the absolute terror, the trauma. Right. What does that sound like? Put yourself in that room. What are you hearing? What does that smell like? What do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, that full sensory, I can't even like my heart will race if I think about it a lot. Like I, I will put myself there. Well, remind me what time did the boys get to the home around 4 a.m they they broke in and immediately did this that's so late i i mean granted it's better than what i was thinking which is i was thinking probably closer to like midnight and they waited and that's what i was trying to figure out but that does make sense how do you have a how do you have the energy to do this at 4 a.m b what drugs were they on it's my question oh we know the answer to that yeah i also just I know. It's, and I should have I should have prepped you because this is this is so heavy. And this happened right here in New England. And what's I don't know, there's so many like factors that just make it heavier. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's like one layer on top of the next. Okay, it's a mother and a daughter, they're home alone. Okay. Now it's these kids that just want to do it to do it. There's no purpose in it other than, "Ooh, I want to know what that's like." They had never met before. Nope. They had never then it was like not the intended target just happened by chance yeah 
Steven Spader, Chris Gribble, Quinn Glover, William Marks never met Kimberly Cates, never met Jamie, never met David, didn't know that David traveled a lot for work. Um, who knows what would have happened had he been there? Right. Um, would he be dead also? I mean, I think so. Caught off guard like that. I mean, clearly outmatched. Yeah. And you have this mother who's being brutalized in front of her daughter, trying to shield her daughter. And like her brain is exposed and she is getting in the way of harm coming to another trying. human. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah regardless of, I mean, I've, Unfortunately, obviously, we know it was not a successful defense in either of their lives, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it was one while she was losing hers. And that is overwhelming. Like, and the fact that these boys, and I do say boys, and I don't mean that in like a ugh, men or like a hmm, little boys. I mean, like they are children. These boys. The oldest one was 19. A, yeah. by the time I was their age, I knew better. Anyone at that age should absolutely fucking know You know better. better at Jamie's age. Two. Or B. I don't know what I started with. Um, <laughs> I know. We're frazzled. This is such a terrible case. I can't imagine that they saw that and didn't have a check, like a reality check. Like that's someone's mom. Like nope. that is so hard for me to just not be able to contextualize any of that. Like I feel like you'd have to be so compartmentalized or just so like you said depraved mm -hmm. it's fucking depraved yeah and and we'll we'll get to more of it all right keep going so unfortunately sadly kimberly cates did not survive her injuries and in her attempts to save her daughter as she's dying she does not know if she has saved her so kimberly cates dies not knowing if what she did was enough and not knowing if Jamie's alive. Because at the end, Jamie is has been thrown against the wall. She's slid down the wall. She's like tangled in curtains and like blankets on the ground and she's not moving. <sighs> now, what we find out later is that Jamie played dead. Good girl. Oh, my God. Good girl. Okay. Keep going. Because she knew. And she had those survival instincts that, you know... When you can tell it's somebody's goal to kill you, make them think you're dead. And so... And, and we'll talk about that more, but we know that Kimberly is severely maimed. Yes. And, and Jamie is too, but... I mean, uh, she's very lucky to be alive, but she is alive. So... While this carnage is taking place in the master bedroom, mm -hmm. William Marks stood in the doorway. He just watched. What? Steven Spader and Christopher Gribble go in there. They're the ones that actually take the blade to, to them, kill, right. like attack them. Blade to flesh. Yes. William Marks stands in the doorway. He doesn't stop it. Remember, he's just there to steal, or so he says. Right. He's there to rob the place. He doesn't try to stop them. You know, they might claim later, oh, it's just a joke. I didn't think they were really going to hurt anyone. You had ample time to call the authorities to say, 
we're on our way to this house. They have machetes and knives. I'm scared. Can someone be there? Can this whatever? This is where we are. Could you have sent a text? Could yep. you have? So don't give me that shit. Don't give me that shit like you you weren't aware or that you could have done shit because you could have done shit every fucking step of the way. And there was premeditation. There was collecting of materials. There was a drive over in which they had a conversation about where to go. And personally, I think it's back ass words that either of the boys that were along for the theft would have been okay with the fact that they went to a smaller house. Other than the fact that it was less eyes, wouldn't that indicate like less wealth? And if your whole goal is thinking that they're joking about the robbery you're going to do and it's a robbery, like tell me like there's, Oh, I know faulty ass logic if that's the case and it's not the case yeah so he doesn't participate in the way that he's inflicting harm but he observes it quinn glover on the other hand though cowers outside of the bedroom so that's not better he didn't step a foot in the bedroom instead he stood outside in the hallway covered his ears because the sounds were so tormenting to him because he could literally fucking hear the women screaming and begging for their lives so loudly that he's just covering his ears and unfortunately damn it he can still hear them okay i have no response to that that i can say on a podcast yep yeah so we know for a fact that william marks and quinn glover did not stab anyone but they didn't do a fucking thing about it. They didn't try to stop, prevent, come clean after, none of it. So they observed they had ample opportunity before and during to do something, fucking anything. And they didn't. And so to me, for that reason, guilty. Yep. So the boys leave. We'll talk more about that Okay. in a bit. But they're out of the house. Jamie using all of the strength that she has, knowing that they have left, hobbles to the kitchen to get to their phone to call 911. Now remember, she's got a broken jaw, a punctured lung, several stab wounds all over her body. Including two to her heart. Including to the chest. She's got one in her stomach. Half of her foot is missing. And she finds a way to get herself there. Woman. The will to live. I just... So, she calls 911. And the operator on the other line can barely understand what she's making out. They know that she said that they've been robbed. But she's whimpering. They can't understand her. So, she dispatches people immediately. So, police from the Milford Police Department arrive on scene. Could you imagine being a small, uh, just a small town cop? Being like, oh, there was a robbery. Like, hmm, this, this sounds odd. I don't know what this is. But you get a lot of calls and he's working midnights, I'm sure. And can't be, you know, nothing that crazy happens on midnights, right? And Not in a small town. It's 4 a.m. You know, maybe it's a bunch of kids. Maybe they spray painted. I mean, I don't know. These aren't things that he said, but that's where my mind goes. If I put myself in his position. Absolutely. That's when I'm walking up on scene. I'm concerned because you always need to be. Yeah. But I'm not red flag alert. Right. 
Jamie wasn't even able to articulate what happened. She said that they'd been robbed. There wasn't even an ambulance right away. Because she, that they couldn't make that out. They just wanted to get someone there. Let's make sure the scene is safe first. Right. You know? So, um, Sergeant Kevin Furlong arrived first and he peeks through the window and he sees Jamie covered in blood lying on the floor. And then this following information, this quote from him, um, is from the San Diego Union Tribune. Mm-hmm. And it says that he used his shoulder to like push his way through the front door. So I think the front door might have like been locked or something. Okay. He had to use some force to get it open. Right. But he could see from the window that there was someone inside hurt. So he's trying to like rush in there. And he said, quote, part of her foot was missing. Other parts were barely still attached. <sighs> she was attempting to scream and yell. However, nothing was coming out. Oh broken jaw punctured lung and she just wants to cry and she can't she's 10 so jamie was immediately rushed to the hospital and she was there for two weeks but she survived good but she is a fucking fighter yeah she is she was so brave so strong so resilient and if i could give her a thousand hugs i would do it i like i want to I don't even want to give her many hugs. I just want to give her one hug and just not let her go. I want to give Ever. her all the nose boops and you just want to hold her. Mm-hmm. I just want to like brush her hair and put her in like a fresh made bed with sheets like right out the dryer, you know? I mean, like I'm older than her. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> She's like not that much younger. I don't care. So she just needs like a hug. I just feel so I bad. Know. I want to take the breather here. Yeah. Because this is where I want to talk about her will to live and the fact that she knew to play dead. And in a place, your home, you're 10, you live in a small, quiet town. You probably got ice cream with your mom that day. It's a weekend. Your dad's out of town. Maybe you and your mom watched a movie. Maybe you were bad and had like maybe some food you weren't supposed to. Yeah. You, you know, got like a special treat or like a face mask or you something. Know, yeah. You're best friends with your mom. You never think, and as a child, you should never think or feel that something so sinister can happen. At, like, the drop of a fucking hat. And so random, so callous, so purely just evil. Yeah. And that comes in your home. That enters your safe place. And she knew to play dead to survive the only reason that she's alive today is because she did that and because the attackers were so convinced that her mom was dead they figured she must be too and they left but she had to lie there in a mixed pool of her blood and her mother's blood listening to what they're doing and trying to pretend that she's not alive i can't imagine how difficult it is to try to breathe quietly anyway in a panic situation i don't know how she's doing that with a punctured lung yeah that and also like you know not like staggering you're like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know just sort of that something that would that they might hear you know and she's gotta lay there focus on not making a sound being terrified in physical agony i'm sure oh yeah that hurt foot is cut off it's insanity it is 
absolutely horrific. And if I can just really quick, like dissociate completely for a second and just check out of this for a minute. Please. All I can think about is how I would definitely get found out because one of my like knuckles or one of my joints would crack. (laughs) Like I, I could, I, I would just be like, Oh my God. Right into it. (laughs) Right into that. Yeah, you do that without even noticing it. No, I, I really don't. I have no idea. I would just be like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. I'm like cracking my knuckles at the same time. I don't even know if I have ever been as still as she must have had to be. Oh, yeah. Never. And I mean, the fear of knowing if you even move an inch to feel like that knife's coming back. I, yeah, I mean, you can go dark places in your mind when you think of what she endured and i can't like the the absolute terror but the anger of what's going on and Mm -hmm. to be so young and to be that mad and the physical pain and then the helplessness all of that in one event 10 before she's literally seen anything I don't know if it's out of anger. I don't know if it was out of love for her mom. I don't know if it was a mix of both or the desire to see her dad again. I don't know. But like at 10 years old to have no context and say, this is my best chance of getting out and to risk not only having to hear what they're doing that kills your mom, but knowing that that could come for you too. If you do, like if you make a wrong move. Yeah, it's on its way to you if... If you don't do what your gut's telling you to do. Yeah. And. And then on top of that, to be brave enough to fucking get up and call 911 afterwards. Oh, I know. She's a badass. I don't know if I want to cradle her or sh- like uh, and shake her hand and like, like take her to salute dinner. Her, yeah. And then, yeah. And then fucking give this woman a drink. Yeah. I, and- yeah. I, t- I don't care. She's 10. She can have a mosa. All right. <laughs> like I'm after this. Obviously not 10 year olds. You guys know. Yes. Damn. But. You know, she had the wherewithal in that moment to know what she needed to do. And she was intelligent enough to use that information and just put it into action right there. Yeah. And, you know, there was nothing that she was going to do, no matter what, that was going to save her mom. And that is just the the hard, awful truth. Yeah. But she could save herself. And that's what she could hear her mom trying to do was protect Ugh. her. Yeah. So I hope that today, you know, that she knows that it wasn't her fault and that not any step in the series of events that happened, you know, could if she had done something differently, if the outcome would have been different, because it wouldn't be. She did exactly what I'm sure her mother was like begging her to do. Right would have wanted her to do and i have no doubt that her mom was like so beyond proud of her so proud and also it because she was able to do that literally against all odds like should not have been able to do that oh, yeah. but because she was um nothing that her mom did was in vain like her mom Absolutely. did not die in vain she did not put herself in extra harm's way in vain like she did exactly what a loving mother does she did what 
you know, I think that bravery and that courage was in that family. Oh, hell yeah. That shit's genetic. Her mom's a badass. She's a badass. And I think, I just, I hope that Jamie today does not feel any kind of ownership about, in a a bad way in that situation. She did exactly what her mom wanted her to do. And if she had done anything differently, the only difference is that her dad would come home to an empty house instead. Like, that is the... That is the difference. That breaks my heart. I'm I'm so proud of her, but in awe of her. Like Yeah. So All right, let's get to these fuckers. What yeah, are we doing? So we talked about okay, the police are on scene at the house. Let's get Jamie out of there. Let's figure out what happened here. You know, Kim is very obviously dead at this point. And they're trying to stomach what they've what they've just seen. So while this is going on, the <laughs> I wrote the depraved pieces of wet shit. So, I like that. So yeah, so it's we're in a different kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Went mm-hmm. on a joyride. What? So Stephen and Chris laughed about what happened, made jokes about it joked about hey didn't we wake that lady up with a machete joked about the sounds that it made just had a grand old time Hmm. laughing about it Hmm. and they met up with a friend of theirs that friend is autumn savoy savoy okay and he was a you know friends with steven and chris mostly so, Quinn and William, I believe, were still present at this time. They're in the car. Okay. I don't think that they're making jokes. No. I'm not. It. They, I think they were beside themselves in shock. Yeah. They didn't do anything about it, but they were beside themselves in shock and they were young and probably afraid because I just saw what you could do to them. And if I do something wrong, are you going to do that to me? Right. So, Stephen and Chris are talking to Autumn. And Autumn did not play a role in the attack. To my knowledge, he didn't have anything to do with the planning of it. But he helped them afterwards. He knew what they did. They told him. And whether he believed them or not, I'm sure is debatable. But they changed out of their bloody clothing. Because obviously you don't absolutely annihilate a family without getting a little blood on you. No. So they changed their clothes and they want to dispose of their evidence. So, Autumn helps them dump it in the Nashua River. Along with the clothing that they were wearing, they were discarding some of the things they stole they realized they didn't want anymore. So, some of Dave's things, the dad, they had taken some of his, they didn't really want it anymore. I think some, like, dog tags that I'm sure had some kind of sentimental value. They uh, threw those. um, Some sneakers, a jewelry box. They took the jewelry out. They dumped the box. Other things that they could have been tracked to them. And they, you know, dumped them in the Nashville River. And later when investigators interviewed Autumn, Autumn said, no, we were all hanging out at my house. So he lied. So he gave them an alibi and he helped discard. Yes. Okay. So. That's accessory in a homicide. Let me just put it this way. This happened early Sunday morning. By Monday afternoon, they were all arrested. Good. This was not 
they weren't slick. They weren't sly. They didn't keep their fucking mouths shut, which I'm very, I'm glad that they didn't. Yeah. But for all the cool that they thought they were, it all came crashing down. Good. Because word spread fast that a mother and daughter were brutalized in their home, in their small town, in a place where they don't lock their doors. In a tiny town. Word spread, listen, word spreads fast in high school. This town was smaller than my high school. Mm -hmm. And this would have been all over everywhere within an hour. So I'm sure they knew within like 20 minutes of getting found. Oh, yeah. And again, because they're like, this doesn't happen here. A home invasion, those words weren't words that were used there. And the boys didn't keep their mouths shut. Steven's bragging about it. He's thrilled. He's telling people about you know, waking her up with a machete to the head and how funny that was and what, you don't think I could do it? Want to bet? Yeah. So the five of them, Autumn included, so the four that were there and then the asshole at the tail end. Yeah. All arrested. Very quickly. Good. So because there's five co-defendants in this case, it's almost impossible to weed through which hearing was which and at what time and who said what in whose case or whatever. So there were a lot of deals and agreements made because of, you know, some of what the, some people were more responsible than others. And so there's right. a lot of agreements made here. So I tried to just focus to put this together as best I could. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you like, oh, in this case, this is this is what they said in this one. And that's I can't tell you what they're from. I know what was said and I know what was agreed to. OK, so. In an article from the Nashua Telegraph, it's a different one, mm-hmm. um, said that in court, the prosecuting attorney was assistant attorney general Peter Hinckley. Mm hmm. And attorney Hinckley asked Quinn Glover, um, I'm just going to call him Quinn, um, to recall how Kimberly and Jamie sounded when um, Stephen and Chris went in the master bedroom. And this is the the kid who stood outside with his ears Yeah, this covered. was the one. Okay. Yeah, so not the one that stood in the doorway. He was full on ears covered. Yeah, cowering shaken. outside. Yeah, okay. shaken. So when asked what they sounded like, He said they were terrified, sir. So then the article continues. This is fucking horrible. After turning, they didn't write that in the article, but I, uh, they sure shit could have. Yeah. um, I wouldn't have blamed him. Yeah. After turning the power back on and seeing Spader in the living room, Glover said he went into the bedroom and saw Jamie tangled in some curtains in front of a sliding door. She wasn't moving. He said, I thought for sure she was dead. And then he said, on the bed, there was a woman who was covered in blood. She was moving slightly and moaning. She seemed close to death, but still alive. Chris put his knife to her throat and then Quinn looked away. So this is saying like Chris Gribble had a knife. Quinn saw him put the knife to her throat. He looked away when he turned back to it. The knife was on the other side of her throat and she wasn't moaning anymore. What the fuck? So he didn't see Chris Scribble slit Kim's throat, but he saw it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So all he knew was she was making noise before and he does something. She's not making noise anymore. Okay? And the knife is moved. Yes. Yep. So then they ransacked the house. 
they're dead, okay, good. They move through the house, they grab what they want, they take lots of jewelry, anything that looked of value, as as they always do, discarded what they didn't want in the river. What the fuck? And so they change their clothes and they're laughing and joking. And he's testifying to this, saying that they're laughing about it. And William Marks, the one who was standing in the doorway, said something along the lines about always wanting to be in the news anyway. Fuck. So... Then, apparently, Stephen said that the woman, Kim, seemed to be reaching for a light on the nightstand. Like, she was reaching for something. And instead, he just hacked at her. And he was, he was, yeah, that's what I did. She was reaching for something. Oh, can't have that. And then, swung. What the fuck? So, when discussing how Stephen Spader behaved afterward, Quinn said, and this is, he's saying that, Steven said this. He said it may become an addiction because he liked the high so much. So Steven is saying, I want to do this again because this was so fun mm. and I got such a kick. The 17 year old. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just so we're, we're clear on that. All right. From the same Nashua Telegraph article, the prosecutor said, quote, Kimberly Cates was alive when she suffered each one of those unimaginable wounds. She was alive when she tried to be a shield for her daughter. She made a mother's sacrifice. And in court, David Cates said this. So again, Jamie's dad, Kim's husband. This is fucking horrible. I've listened to the accounts of Kim's murder, one excruciating detail after the next, feeling in my body every strike of that machete and every stab of that knife. I've listened to my wife's last breath. I've listened to my child's screams. I've watched as Jamie's perfect little body was mutilated and tortured. He said that him and Jamie will move on, but it will not be easy. And he said, quote, instead of Jamie indulging in the joy of picking out her prom dress or stepping in her graduation gown or planning her wedding, my daughter will ache because of her mom, her best friend, the most important person in her life isn't there beside her. Ugh, stop it. You're going to make me cry. I know. Prosecutors were touched very deeply by this case. And there were several because there were there were several cases going on. Right. Jamie baked the prosecutor's chocolate chip cookies because she was concerned about how hard they were working on her case that she didn't Are want them to get hungry. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. What when, the hell? When I read that, I fully teared up. And it's it's very weird. That kind of sentiment reminds me so much of my grandmother. She passed away in 2020. Yeah. My mom's mom. And she was this one of a kind, incredible, special person. Yeah. Like the ones that you only meet once in a lifetime. Yeah. And she was that way, taking care of people and all and always like that, even when it should have been her that needed taken care of. Right. And, you know, for... Jamie to be having to relive what's going on and wanting to make the prosecutors cookies because she feel they're you're working so hard can I get you anything when my grandmother was in the hospital the nurses were hustling bustling and she would they told us afterwards that she was always like do you want to take a seat can I get you some food can I get you anything she'd have like some of the food that she had like a I don't know like a jello cup or something and offer it to them you work so hard sit down you know and and there's just a special kind of person that even in the depths of what they're dealing with 
yeah and how difficult that can be that will always put others first and always offer kindness and that's just so rare hearing that like my heart just twisted even more. i was like oh my god yeah and so the prosecutors were they adored jamie mm-hmm. i think they all like partially adopted her like they just they loved Good. her and they kept one of the cookies that she made like on the um on their desk like Shut for the whole up. trial oh my for the god whole trial. <laughs> you can't do this to me they kept it wrapped in a napkin so they could have it for good luck and it did not move like no one ate it that was just the lucky cookie and that's what they did Ugh. yep so several reports say that steven spader was not and is not remorseful for what he did he wishes only that he chose better co-conspirators ones that maybe wouldn't have cracked under pressure or not helped what the fuck so he wishes that he also finished the job because he didn't because jamie isn't dead and that's what he was supposed to do because they're supposed to kill everyone in the house they didn't do that so they failed so he could look at this 10 year old girl yeah i yeah so there's that and he's quoted as saying i have just had enough of everything going on within the media because of course the media is fucking covering tearing his ass apart yeah so he's uh had enough of it and within the population of new hampshire and he called the people of new hampshire uninformed idiots kind and that there is a bias quote-unquote against him and his friends because they are non-conforming to society no you're non-conforming to fucking morals what yeah, because they listen to, like, that music and dress in black and look a certain way that that must be what it is. Oh. No, you fucking killed people. Bro, I had a mom it's not a phase phase, you know? like. But you know what? It's a fucking phase. <laughs> you know what else? Even if it isn't, my God, there are, like, plenty of Satanists that would never hurt a fly. There isn't. Like, let alone yeah. something like this. And you're going to put that on the fact that you fucking listen to what? Like, Papa Roach? Like, what do you want? It's, yeah. So, ugh, while men. incarcerated, but before his trial. And that was an ugh, man. <laughs> before his trial, while he's incarcerated, he wrote a lot of letters. He wrote letters to his attorneys. He wrote letters to other inmates. He actually, prior to being arrested knocked up a girl so what? in in the mix i think before the crime hopefully he gets well i, I don't see how it would happen otherwise but um gets a girl pregnant and you know throughout the tri- the trial you know she's pregnant and then later you know has the baby so he's writing letters about that and here and there and in one of them he writes that he is probably the most sick and twisted person you'll ever meet okay I, that sounds about that sounds about right and i couldn't find the exact quotes but several sources just said that he said he would do it again yeah and that he didn't feel remorse for that and these are focused based on during the trial right so these aren't like this isn't what he said last year right i'm saying this is in 2009 2010 when this is going on these are the things that are making the headlines and he's being pretty brazen about it too at 17 yep 
And so he gives this like disingenuous apology to the Kate's family, pretty much just saying, oh, I'm sorry for the pain I caused. I'd ask for your forgiveness, but I don't deserve it. And that's pretty much like it was like three lines. It was terrible. Terrible. That's more offensive than not writing an apology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he should have just said nothing. Yeah. So the sentencing of the five, I want to talk about them. Okay. So Autumn, the one who threw the stuff in the river with them. He pled guilty to conspiracy and hindering apprehension and was sentenced to five to 12 years. Okay. As of today, he's out. So it's been, it's been that time. He was paroled and they kept a very close eye on him. Uh, Yeah. He was young. I hope that he would never do that again or anything like it, but he did serve his time to, you know, the sentence that it was, got paroled, and he's a free man. Okay. Quinn Glover um, received a reduced sentence in exchange for testifying against Stephen Spader, as they normally do. And again, Quinn was the one who did kind of stay outside of the room. Right. Covered his ears. He is also the one, to his credit, I believe, helped them the most in terms of like the conversations that were going on i mean after they were already caught like he's saying like a canary right but he's saying but he's saying right and i think he was of the four the most disturbed and upset about what happened it certainly seemed it so he was sentenced to 20 to 40 years and he um was away for burglary robbery and conspiracy to commit burglary so it looks like they didn't get him on anything that was okay, like the murder related. Yeah. So he could make for a uh, parole as early as 2024. Oh, shit. OK. And he is quoted by a WMUR article as saying the following before his parole board. Not a day goes by, not a moment goes by when I don't think about what I've done and what the Kates are going through every moment of the day. I try to treat every person I meet with respect the honor and the care that I owe to them for what I have taken. I'm sorry, and there's no words to express the extent of such. Okay. Which was... I take it. Three lines better and longer than fucking Spader's, but all right. Anyway. It also, and perhaps it feels more genuine because I do believe that actions speak louder than words, and he has, you know, taken action to do something. Granted, it was a little too little too late mm-hmm. but it was something and it was more and because of that that feels more genuine to me i don't know if that's the only reason and if i'm just trying to find something positive in all of this it's it is difficult but i give i give him credit i don't i've been in the wrong place at the wrong time not like that and i try to react appropriately but like i could definitely see just being a dumb kid and getting swept up and having to experience literally the worst night of your life. Oh, and I'm sure that that all replays. I have no doubt that when he says this next quote to the judge that I I think that he means it. Mm -hmm. So he said this to Judge Abramson, 
says, Every moment that I close my eyes, I see what I could have done and how I could have prevented this horror that I helped set in motion. There's nothing I can ever do that can make up for my despicable actions and for the cowardice that I showed. Oh. He's not wrong. No. But I also am a firm believer that, you know, people can change. And this sure as hell sounds a lot more like it. He was only 17 at the time. Yeah. I mean. Well, and let's. He was a 17 year old human. Let's take a look at the, the depraved piece of shit one. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to say his name because if he wants infamy from this, it's sure as hell not going to be from me. Mm-hmm. There's a 17 year old who says, oh, my God, look what just happened. Look what I did. Look what I could have done to prevent it. Look at all of these things. And then there's a 17 year old that's like, yeah, man, I just didn't do it well enough. Yeah. I only regret that I didn't do it better. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I think it's enough for me. I think that at 17, you can make very, very, very poor decisions. I hope that he has dedicated his life to doing something good with it. Hell yeah. We're all deserving of that. We're all deserving of a chance to try to do right. Right. I can't even say that because Steven Spader can rot in hell. I don't know. (laughs) Here's the thing. We all have the right to try to turn it around depending on your effort your attitude and the things you let yourself do before you get to that point is going to determine whether or not you deserve forgiveness and a full second chance from those people it doesn't mean you can't leave try again start fresh but it some actions have unfixable consequences and A 17-year-old going to rob a house and crying as they listen to a woman get slaughtered, saving her daughter who's also getting slaughtered, Mm -hmm. and coming out of that and saying, holy shit, let me reflect, let me learn, let me grow. So much different. So, so much different. Oh, absolutely. And if Steven Spader ever gets out of jail or prison, um... If Stephen ever gets out of prison, he is not going to be welcome in my town while I'm here. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he couldn't try again somewhere else. I don't think he'd go back to New England. I think New England was just done with him. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, keep going. So we'll move on to William Marks. So he, like Quinn Glover, uh, got a reduced sentence for testifying against the other two. He was sentenced to 30 to 60 years for conspiracy to commit murder, burglary, and first-degree assault. Judge Abramson, she's a badass. I, I love her. There's a lot of things she says in here that I really like. Um, she was quoted in an article as saying, you planned and you watched and you celebrated the unspeakable horrors that you inflict on an innocent mother and child. She's looked at him in the courtroom and said that and sentenced yep. him to 30 to 60 years. So now we'll move on to the like depraved pieces of shit one and two. Yeah. And we're going to go backwards. We're going to go to two to one. So first up is Christopher Gribble. He was charged with the murder of Kimberly Cates as well as attempted murder, conspiracy, burglary and witness tampering. Again, he was 19 at the time. 
and he was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. After Christopher Gribble was told that he would spend the rest of his life in prison, uh, the judge turned to Jamie in the courtroom, and she said, I hope you know that this man and the other men involved in this terrible crime can never hurt you again. I hope you understand that, and I wish you better days. So, douche stick Spader is the only one we have left here. He was charged with first-degree murder, obviously. Attempted murder, conspiracy to commit murder. He was sentenced to life in prison. Good. However. Bitch. He was seven. Not you. He, <laughs> no, it's all right. You said, <laughs> I've been called worse. Uh, he was 17 at the time, so he's a minor. And in 2012, New Hampshire revamped their laws saying that you can't condemn a minor to life in prison. Without parole. Without parole. I know that. And so, without reconsidering the case, you have to... So, he could... He was eligible to, because he was 17 at the time of the crime... Christopher Gribble is not included in this because he was 19. Right. Um, so, Stephen Spader was eligible to appeal and right. reduce his sentence. And his att- he his attorneys encouraged him to do so, yeah. but he said no. He said he didn't want to reduce sentence. His his attorneys tried to get him to reconsider, and he said, I'm not going to get off on a technicality. That's what he said. I get the sense he just fucking loves prison. Well, consider prison culture would be such that he could exercise violent, like violence every day if he wanted to. Yeah. And depending on against who and for what reasons, that would gain him respect in prison. So... It's, he actually is probably doing great in there. That's what I mean. I don't, oh I don't my think gosh. he hates it. I think I just figured out the perfect punishment. Mm-hmm. You know how um, there are all sorts of people who A, either have become institutionalized and only know how to function within prisons. Mm-hmm. One. Two, people who like dipshit, depraved heart murder, number two, mm-hmm. one, whatever, Stephen. Um, I know he's number one. By the way, you guys. Using the, the using the other finger to call him number one, by the way. Oh, they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that just like it. And then there are people that have problems with women that go in and they're model prisoners because they're not with women. Mm-hmm. I think that the men that like it and the men that go who are model prisoners before they're allowed to get out should be forced to substitute teach a classroom of only middle school aged girls. <laughs> If you can get out of that, how if many, you can get through that. How many times are we going to reference that John Mulaney skit? I don't get It's true. That's something I'm sensitive about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding? A 14 year old be like, you're still a fucking loser. And he'd have to be like, no, I'm not. I killed someone. She'd be like, yeah, you're crying, you bitch. Named, like, you what named are you doing? your club what? Yeah. The what? The deal. The, the, the what? Is that like that Dungeons and Dragons dumb shit? Or like... <laughs> Not to yuck your yum. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Just, yeah. No. Yeah. No. Middle school girls are heinous. Like they are the last boss level before you get to Satan. I think they are so mean. They are so <sighs> mean. I hope I wasn't that mean. They were that mean to me. I'm, that's pro- I don't know. You can. We can all give and take. It's true. I wasn't terrible. bad until high school. I was fine in middle school. Oh, I hate it. But other people were mean in middle school. Then I got mean in high school. Then I turned it around, you guys. 
You did. I did. Very delightful. Thank you. Well, another delightful fact here. Is it really delightful? Or are you fucking? No, I'm being serious. Me? Oh yay! He's, he's just still in prison. I mean, he's a, and he's in New Jersey, so our tax do- dollars aren't going to him. Nice. It makes me feel even better. Bye. I don't want to pay for your health care. So today, mm-hmm. because you know I have to try to make something positive of this because mm-hmm. it's so fucking bad. This was, I have to say, this, I was, need you too. this was one of the hardest ones. Yeah. Um, But I'm so glad that it was specially requested. Yeah. Love you, Erin. Because it is important to talk about and it's terrifying. And it's one of the most terrifying things that we... I think just as people can rationalize because someone breaking into your home is the most vulnerable you can be. Yep. You know, it's different if you're walking the street. I mean, you think of like neutral territories, like I could be out at a restaurant and someone could try to like abduct me. Okay. Well, that's a pretty neutral. It's not my place and it's not your place. Yeah. This is my place. Like my home. That's my place. It's mine, yeah. damn it. You know, it's not and, for you. and that's where you're supposed to feel the safest. That is where you go when all the other shit gets bad. You go home. home. And they took that away. Yeah. But I want to tell you about what Jamie's up to now. Yes, please. That would be really good. First, I just have to say that she is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. She is absolutely gorgeous. Look her up. We're going to have photos of her. You can see in the photos she kind of grows up throughout the court process and the hearings and everything. You see her and she's just so little and she's got a little scarf on and she's kind of nervous and shy. She's so beautiful. And then you see her now and she's breathtaking. Literally the cutest thing. She was adorable then. She's beautiful now. We could like take her for a drink. I would. And listen, girl, if you hear this and you want to go for a drink, first round's on me. Okay? Oh, my God. The Second whole, round's the, on Allie. The whole, Third round's on me. The whole Fourth round's on, on Allie. <laughs> Baby girl, I'll go into debt for you. No, but just the just the resilience and the will to live and, and the fact that she did exactly what I am. I have no doubt her mother wanted her, to, needed her to do. I hope there's not a day that goes by that she is not reminded and fearfully and wonderfully aware of how just fucking amazing she is. How, yeah, and how badass she is. And her dad is so proud. So oh, I want to talk to you about what they're up to. So as of today, from mm-hmm. what I can tell, Jamie and David Cates are living very happy lives. Yay. Jamie is in her mid-20s. She went to school for public health. And um, she went to the University of North Carolina in Wilmington. Okay. She, like her mother, is very passionate about sports. She took after her mom. Mm. Surgeons were able to do their very best to repair her foot. Okay. So she does not walk with a limp. She does not obviously have full mobility. She is. She definitely has some limitations. Right. That aren't going to go away. But she is living her very best life. I love that. And they worked very hard with like with skin grafts and everything to like repair what they could. Um, So she can still do that. I think she really liked soccer and like field hockey. Oh, I believe. And to my knowledge, she's still able to do that. And she lives every day like it's her last. 
her family says that Jamie is so much like Kim in not only in like that they look alike but also like her mannerisms they say it's just very similar to talking to her mom and I think that speaks to how close they were yeah and they were both fighters and that was so evident throughout this entire entire thing and they say that a lot of the same characteristics like she's very very kind and wants to take care of people i mean her mom was a nurse Mm. and i believe a pediatric nurse too so she was great with kids and you know she's following in her mom's footsteps in terms of like going for public health like she's interested in the medical field and helping people and sports it just sounds like her mom had such a lasting impact and positive influence on her and even though she might not be beside her i think she's watching over her and that is just very heartwarming and so every year on the anniversary date of the attack they hold a golf tournament and it's to take the date back so it's to do something positive on that day so that it's not just marked with that misery and they just want to spread love in their community and so they also raise money for a scholarship in kim's honor and so The last update that I could find was in 2019. So this was the 10-year anniversary of the attack. And Jamie is all smiles. She is beautiful. And I have no doubt that she's going to go on to do amazing things. So, as I always will. um, And should you feel compelled to do so, um, I have the scholarship linked below if you'd like to donate. It's a scholarship for those looking into getting uh, into the medical profession. Oh, I love that. Yes. What a good way to honor Kimberly. And so that's always going to be linked. It's also always like on our Instagram page. We have a highlight reel that has what the victims' families are doing in honor of, of their loved ones and how they're best honoring and remembering them. And so that will absolutely be there. And... And Kim's obituary, which was obviously right after it happened, um, instead of flowers, they asked that you make a donation to some of the causes that she's passionate about. So I think now if you were to do like donations to anything, I would probably say that it would be the scholarship. Yeah. But I also want to include what they listed at that time, too. Also, if you can find her Venmo, just Venmo her. She deserves $5. For Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so this is um, the list of the causes that they listed in the obituary. Because, again, if these were things that she was passionate about and maybe you're already donating anyway, maybe consider putting it in Kim's name. So oh, yeah. um, the Mont Vernon Village School, which is in Mont Vernon, New Hampshire, Boston Children's Hospital Trust and St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. So all of those are listed in the show notes, as always. If you've got any questions about those, please send us an email, reach out. I want to quickly just kind of give you a very brief list of some of the sources here because there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, the San Diego Union Tribune, Murderpedia, WMUR, uh, Nashua Telegraph, Daily Mail, more WMUR, NECN, CBS News, Seacoast Online, more Nashua Telegraph. The list goes on, people. There's lots of sources here. 
Don't worry. They're all in the show notes. You'll get them all, people. Have we're no not worries. about that plagiarism life. No, we're not. We're not fucking around with that shit. Even though Allie is much better at saying it in the episode than I am. But, but everything's always listed anyway. Yeah. We will never hold that back on you. And if you've got questions about them, please let us know. Um, Aaron, how did you like it? I know. Did I do it justice? Is it okay? Uh, this is going to be a super special episode for you because we're going to keep it in one. And that's for you, Aaron. I know. This really should have been two parts. Yeah. But I just didn't want it to to wait. So I was just like, you know what? We're just we're just going to do it. So happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Um, I hope that you guys can do something good and positive today. And hey, you know what? Um, I don't know. Next month, maybe skip a coffee and throw five bucks at, you know. Kim's scholarship. Kim's scholarship. That'd be awesome. Or maybe you want to throw something at Boston Children's or St. Jude's. Those commercials right. get me every fucking Oh my time. gosh, I know. Oh my God. Well, uh, to end this on a positive note, um, my cat snuggled with me for like 15 minutes straight of purring today. He is not allowed purr. He is not a usual purr. Purrer. But um, he is just so happy that I'm home. It's like 14 minutes longer than normal. (laughs) It is. It's true. It's normally like a... And that's it. Um, But if they wanted to send us photos of their cat, where could they Instagram us? I would love for them to do that. So they could send us a little direct message. That was such a weird way to say that. <laughs> um, you guys can send us a message at about time for true crime pod with periods in between all the words. That is about period time period for the word. F-O-R. F-O-R. Period. True period crime period pod. Just pod, not podcast? Yeah, it was too long. Thanks, Instagram. Yes. And how could they email us if they want to send us a little bit more than they can just fit in a little direct message? <laughs> <laughs> well, if they have already slid into my DMs and they have more to tell me, mm-hmm. they could email us at about time, the number four, Ooh. TC at gmail.com. I like that. So that's about time for TC, like true crime at gmail.com. Oh, is that what the TC is? Yeah. Oh, okay. In case you missed it. Mm. Mm. Love that. Well, you guys, wow, wow, wow. What a time to be alive. If you... If you guys need an instant dopamine uptick, Jamie's Instagram is very cute. It is? Oh, my God. I haven't looked at it. Yes. Her Instagram handle, if you want to look her up... Oh, no. ...is... I'm not going to say it, actually. You know what? Look it up yourself. I'm not going to put it out there because, I, I don't know, that feels that feels like I should have for permission to do that. She's had enough of her own privacy taken away of her own volition. So, But she's adorable, and she is happy and living on with her life. And if you Google her, it comes up pretty easy. So it's also public. Um, I hope you guys are having a good day. And I hope that you're able to take this and spin it into something positive because yikes, yikes. Yeah. I mean, all you can do is just offer kindness to people. That's all there is. It's true. That's all right. it. That's all I got. We appreciate you guys hanging out. We know that was a doozy. And if I look at my watch, let me take a look at that. Oh, geez, you're right. That was was about time for true crime.